0: Keeping you informed and inspired.
1: We love God, we ought to be able to talk about him. Getting you started on your day.
2: With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's
3: serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive
1: Time. And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It is so good to be on with you today. Today is Tuesday, October 31st. Happy All Hallows' Eve to you the feast of St. Alfonso Rodriguez. He was born in 1531 in Segovia, Spain, to a pious wool merchant. Now, here's a really cool thing. You see this pattern happening all the time with the saints. He was influenced after meeting the early Jesuits in Spain, including Blessed Peter Faber and St. Francesco de Villanova. He And meeting these early Jesuits was influenced to become a Jesuit himself. Now, a side note here, a lesson that can be learned is, who do you hang out with? Who are you inspired by? Who are your heroes? Who are your children's heroes? Who are your children's friends? Are they hanging out with people who are going to make them saints? Now, after his father's death, Alfonso took over the family business, which eventually went bankrupt. He also suffered the loss of his wife. His three children and his mother, a tragedy which nobody could imagine having to face at the time. he was not in the most moral of men, and he felt he fell into a life of what you might expect a wealthy business owner would live and but in the face of these failures and personal tragedies, and after meeting these holy Jesuits he experienced a profound spiritual awakening. He recognized the wickedness of his life and saw the majesty of God in his own misery. So at the age of 40, Alfonso entered the Society of Jesus as a lay brother. And after a six-month novitiate, he became the doorkeeper at the Jesuit College of Mount Zion on the island of Palma de Mallorca. Alfonso served as the doorkeeper for 45 years, and despite his humble position, his saintly behavior and wisdom attracted numerous people seeking his spiritual advice. Now, he possessed a special gift for spiritual conversation, and his superior affirmed that no spiritual treaties produce as much spiritual good as contact with him. He became known as the Doctor of Majorca. Now, Alfonso contemplated the grandeur of God, recognizing the insignificance of human existence without God. His deep sense of God's greatness led to his repentance and desire to know more about God. Now, in the last three days of his life, his final communion, San Alfonso remained in ecstasy, experiencing the overwhelming happiness and joy of the beatific vision. He died on October 31st, 1617, and witnesses decided to have a faithful picture of him drawn due to the profound joy That was evident on his face during his last days. So, what can we learn from Saint Alfonso? Well, we can learn three things. One, I'd like to think about the fact that he was a lay brother. How many people will encourage their sons, their daughters, into religious life, especially their sons? People say, Oh, I might want my son to be a priest, but why a lay brother? There's no glory in being a lay brother. But That is an act of great humility. We need lay brothers and the holiness of the humility of a lay brother intends to be greater than that of many others. Another lesson is to contemplate the grandeur of God, to contemplate the greatness of God, his enormity. And lastly, the last thing is the conversations that we have. We should always strive to elevate our conversations, that we talk and speak of heavenly things. And like St. Dominic would say, to speak only to God or about God. So, what should we ask from St. Alfonso on his feast day? Well, let's follow his example of humility, his sense of the grandeur of God, and let's ask him for the grace to be humble, to have a sense of the grandeur of God, and for his fruitful conversations St. Alfonso Rodriguez, pray Pray for for us. us. Joining us right now is Rudy Carlos. Good morning to you, Rudy. Good morning, Adrian. And that just reminds me, you know, you don't have to be
4: on Catholic radio. You don't have to have this gigantic reach. You don't need any of that. In fact, dear listener, you have so much influence that even as a door person, a person holding a door, you can influence and tell people about God. That's an incredible thing, this saint. It reminds me of this uh this security guard that we met here at the Coca Cathedral who who leads homeless people into the church and he tells them about Jesus, he gives them rosaries, he teaches them how to pray the rosary and he affects some sort of change not by his own power but by the power and grace of God. So don't ever
1: ever underestimate your influence dear listener. That's so true. That's so true. Yeah, what a what a grace. Saint Alfonso now it was someone that I think the majority of people wouldn't have never heard of the saint. And yeah. First time I've heard of him. Me too. Me too. I was reading about him this morning and I was, I'm always blown away by these unknown saints and the lessons we can learn from them. So what a grace. Absolutely. What a grace. Now I just got back from a trip and it was a lot of, it was a great time. I went to the TFP national conference over in Pennsylvania. Um, the, Theme of the talk of the conference was a milestone year, the American TFP's half century battling for the church and Christian civilization. So, we'll talk about that, I'm sure, extensively in the after show. I'm going to bring up a couple things that I thought were particularly interesting that I learned in 15 past the hour. Plus, the U.S. announces a new nuclear bomb for their arsenal. That's really interesting. We'll talk about that at 15 past the hour as well. At 30 past the hour, Doug Barry is going to be on with us to talk about situational awareness and prepare for the worst and hope for the best. In the next hour, Adam Bly will be joining us from the spirit world. Last weekend, they talked about all things Halloween. We'll follow up on that considering today is All Hallows' Eve, the day before All Saints' Day, and he's going to be talking about the the month of November, which is dedicated to the Holy Souls. So we'll talk about those two things in the next hour. Plus, our Fear and Trembling Game Show. We're going to be giving away prizes. I'm very excited about this week's prize. A friend of mine has a really cool prize that he has will- just generously uh, donated for us to give away. But let's begin with prayer, as is our custom. We're going to be praying for your intentions, whatever it is that you go have going on in your life. We pray that you have a holy And safe All Hallows' Eve today. And sadly, we are going to be praying the prayer to the Holy Rosary, Our Lady of the Rosary, for the last time today. But I would recommend to keep this prayer in your heart and maybe start praying this prayer before your rosaries. I I know I will. Uh, But let's begin in prayer. We're praying for the salvation of souls, the liberty and exaltation of Holy Mother Church for our friends, family, and benefactors, and all those that we promise to pray for. We pray in thanksgiving for the 50-year anniversary of the American TFP and for the healing of my grandfather, uh, who is very, very sick. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. O oh, Virgin Mary, grant that the recitation of thy rosary may be for me each day. In the midst of my manifold duties, a bond of unity in my actions, a tribute of filial piety, a sweet refreshment, an encouragement to walk joyfully along the path of duty grant above all, O Virgin Mary, that the study of thy fifteen mysteries may form in my soul, little by little, a luminous atmosphere, pure, strengthening, and fragrant, which may penetrate my understanding, my will, my heart, my memory, my imagination, my whole being. So shall I acquire the habit of praying while I work without the aid of formal prayer, by interior acts of admiration and of supplication, or by aspirations of love. I ask this of thee, O Queen of the Holy Rosary, through St. Dominic, thy son of predilection, the renowned preacher of thy mysteries, and the faithful imitator of thy virtues. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now, your headline news with Rudy Carlos.
4: Good morning. You're listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And here are some of your headlines today. A couple really crazy and interesting stories for you. This one comes out of San Francisco. Assault at San Francisco Catholic Church leads to police pursuit and reported pipe bomb. Have you heard this story? Well, an assault in San Francisco led to a police pursuit that resulted in the possible use of a pipe bomb. The archdiocese and, uh, the archdiocese and uh, spokesman said that the incident followed an individual who received Holy Communion sacrilegiously but did not consume the host. A brave visitor stood up and confronted the man saying, You can't leave the church without consuming the host. He was then punched in the face for confronting the assailant. The police said that the man set off a pipe bomb during the pursuit and then subsequently ignited a Molotov cocktail. I believe he's uh, under arrest now. Now, here's another interesting story. McFlation. Revenue soars after McDonald's hikes prices. Now, this is a this is a, this is is a real sign of the time story here. Do you guys remember the value menu? Well, I'll tell you a little bit about that in a minute, but... Uh, How much are you willing to pay for a McDonald's burger meal? On Monday, McDonald's reported that revenue was up 14% this quarter in what the burger company called something attributed to strategic menu price increases. The company beat expectations of $6.58 billion in the third quarter, raking in $6.69 billion in revenue, according to Refinitiv. Now, while the company didn't reveal which of its items had increases and how they apply them to the company's almost 14,000 domestic restaurants and almost 40,000 abroad, one branch in Darien, Connecticut is charging as much as $18 for a Big Mac combo meal. Who's paying for this? This is crazy. That includes a medium soft drink and medium fries. Remember the dollar menu? Well, right now, the McDonald's app in New York City shows the cheapest option on its dollar, $2 or $3 menu is a small order of French fries for $2.49. Absolutely crazy. I'm tired of inflation. And finally, the Biden administration sued over a program that linked conservatives to neo-Nazis. The Biden administration is facing legal action after a federal anti-terrorism grant program was accused of targeting mainstream conservative groups, including Heritage Foundation, Prager U, and the Republican National Committee. Quote, The subversive element that has taken over the Department of the Homeland Security gave hundreds of thousands of dollars to fellow travelers at a university program that labeled us as extremists but illegally refused to comply with the law to turn over documents related to the ridiculous targeting of conservatives," unquote, one associated with the case said. He continues saying, We've had enough. The anti-terrorism grant program, which was awarded $70 million since fiscal 2020, gave $352,000 to a University of Dayton initiative aimed at fighting, quote, domestic violence extremism and so-called hate movements, unquote. Those are some of your headlines today, but stay tuned on Catholic Drive
1: Time for more. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. The gospel of the day comes from the gospel according to Luke chapter 13, verses 18 to 21. We're going to focus in on just verse 19 here. Verse 19 says, It is like to a grain of mustard seed, referring to the kingdom of God, which a man took and cast into his garden, and it grew and became a great tree. And the birds of the air lodge in the branches thereof. Now, the question of the mustard seed comes up all the time. But Cornelius Salapide pointed out some things that I had never heard before. Now, obviously, you have the the typical things that the mustard seed represents small faith because faith small in appearance, but of great virtue and efficacy can bear much fruit. Now, he gives this example because they talk about having faith like a mustard seed. You can tell a mountain to move and it'll move, right? Well, this is really interesting. Cornelius Salopides says, This faith shone brightly in St. Gregory, the bishop of Neo-Caesarea. For he, when a mountain stood in the way of his building a church, by his prayers, removed it to another place. He performed many other miracles from which he received the name Thamatorgus, which is Wonderworker. He says, and uh, there are other examples of things like this happening. He says, St. Jerome gives a similar instance in his life of St. Hilarion. For he, when the sea, through an earthquake, raised vast masses of waters upon the shore, which threatened the city of Epidurus with destruction, was placed by its citizens upon the shore as a bulwark against the waves. He drew three figures of the cross in the sand, stretched forth his hands, against the sea when it was swelling to a vast height before him when it stood still and roaring for a long time as if it were angry with the bulwark by degrees it sunk down to an ordinary level what an amazing grace so obviously there is a symbolic element to this we talk about faith we talk about trusting in god talking about having humility and virtue but also recognize god does do miracles and all he requires is for you to pray without ceasing and to have faith as a mustard seed we'll be right back with more right after this this is dale alquist with
3: a chesterton minute how many times have you heard the complaint that church is boring that we just do the same things over and over again well, the problem is not that church is boring, it's that we are bored. We are the problem. And not just with church, but with everything else. We have lost our childlike sense of wonder. G.K. Chesterton says the children have abounding vitality, and yet they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, Do it again! And the grown up person does it until he's nearly dead. For grown-up people are not strong enough to exalt in monotony. But perhaps God is strong enough to exalt in monotony. It's possible that God says every morning, Do it again to the sun. And every evening, do it again to the moon. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org.
5: Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to pray for religious vocations. Wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed daily for vocations to the religious life? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion
1: from Guadalupe Radio Network. And we are back. Welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. You know, there were some amazing things happening. (laughs) You thought I was going to say concerning. (laughs) Gotcha. You got God. Now, there were some amazing things that happened over the weekend. I was really excited. I was in Spring Grove, Pennsylvania, celebrating the 50 years of the American TFP. They had a conference Titled "A Milestone Year: The American TFP's Half Century Battling for the Church and Christian Civilization," it was a really cool conference. I was very excited. There was a lot of different talks, and I actually am thinking about having um, some of the members on to talk about some of these talks. Including, there was a single talk that way I particularly enjoyed because it's something that I talk about a lot. And I hardly hear people talking about this, and it was about the cyber future. It's uh, the title of the talk was "The American TFP Confronts the Cyber Future," and it talks about transhumanism. Was, that's what the whole talk was about, and I was very impressed with it. I it was, it was kind of um, something that you hardly you hardly hear, and it recognized the idea that God loves humanity. And because the devil hates God, his goal is to destroy the image of God in humanity. He wants to destroy us completely. And the image of God is our will, our our free will given to Almighty God, given to him, our ability to love. And so the devil desires to take that away from us, to take what makes us human away. There was a couple other talks that I thought was very interesting there was the starting off talk that was looking back over the history of the American TFP, which I thought was pretty awesome because I didn't realize how many, how much effect the American TFP had on American politics over the last 50 years. It was actually incredibly impressive. And they made a list of a lot of the, cause people talk about they're like, Oh, do these petitions, they never work. They never do anything. And right. Sometimes, you have people who are just so... They're so bad that they don't care if you're going to petition. They don't care how many people protest. They don't just don't care at all. Uh, but they have actually had success in shutting down a lot of events because of their petitioning. And they had a lot of things that were done, including most significantly the Lithuania protest, which apparently is the Guinness World Record of the largest protest. Um, petition drive ever. They got 5.2 million signatures from across the world that was hand done because it was before the internet. So they actually got people physically to sign the petition, 5.2 million, 800 of which, 800,000 of which were gotten from the American TFP. And apparently this was the case. I had no idea. This is a really cool story. It was kind of very exciting to hear. The Lithuanian Catholics who are resisting the Soviet Union, the American government told the Lithuanians that y'all should just just try to play peace with the Soviet Union. Uh, don't provoke them because they're going to squash you. In fact, the Soviet Union ended up driving tanks into Lithuania, uh, killing some of the Lithuanians. But the Lithuanians were received so much hope from the American TFP and the TFP worldwide because they were collecting signatures, and they were getting updates on how many people around the world were supporting them, and they they used that as a as a mode of courage to say, "Look how many people are out there supporting us we 're not alone." They actually received more signatures and of them than they do they had population for their entire country, which is pretty impressive. This little bitty country was being had more signatures supporting them than they had people in their country. That's pretty amazing. Uh, what a grace that is. And it ultimately was uh, able to influence enough of the other countries to actually step in and, and speak out for Lithuania and was able to help in the freedom of Lithuania. I thought that was incredibly impressive But uh, there was about a, a million other things that you could talk about that I thought was really interesting. There was also the um, return to order topic that I thought was very, very intriguing. We've had Mr. Horvat on our show many times, the author of Return to Order and the Return to Order website movement. And he was explaining how kind of the the political landscape before Return to Order was much more your your mainstream Republican standpoint was like that was that was where the conversation was among people who might consider themselves conservative. And Mr. Horvat and the TFP decided that they were this was not sufficient. The Republican mindset is is defective. Uh, there's a joke that people like to make. I think uh, G.K. Chesterton made it first. He said the the left is really good at destroying things and the conservatives are really good at making sure they never get fixed. And Mr. Horvat and the TFP recognized that, that was the case. And so return to order was a vision of how to get things back on track. You, we don't want to just simply be conservatives. We simply don't want to conserve something. We simply don't want to be a slow-marching Democrat party. We don't want to be the leftist from 10 years ago. We want a return to order. We want a restoration of Christian civilization. And those ideas, because of the return to order campaign, was actually been successful in moving the needle and having people actually be able to talk about these things. We see it all the time now. We have um, people talk about Christian nationalism, which I disagree with. There's elements of it that are that are problematic, they, I think are problems. But the idea that someone would even have those ideas and be able to articulate them would have been impossible 10 years ago. Uh, you had, what, 10 years ago, the Tea Party movement was... The, the most conservative thing out there of fiscal responsibility. Uh, but now we've actually understood that we need to have a restoration of not simple simply our economics. Economics is important. It's an element of it, uh, but it's not the end-all, be-all. And that was helped push by the Return to Order campaign. I thought that was very interesting. And one of my favorite talks was about Our Lady of Fatima. Our Lady of Fatima, they were talking about how, why the TFP created America Needs Fatima. Why did they decide that that was going to be a focus? Why did they bring Our Lady of Fatima to homes all across the United States and, and worldwide, but the American TFP specifically is what uh, we were talking about, uh, bringing the, the Our Lady of Fatima into the homes of, uh, I can't even say how many people, a ridiculous amount of people, and they're sharing the stories of miraculous uh, they don't wait and say miraculous, but miraculous. I would say miraculous of conversions of uh, hearts being moved from the statue being brought into their homes, and I was just absolutely stirred by this. Uh, people who have been away from the faith and they see Our Lady of Fatima come into their home, and they're they're just moved. They're, they're change, Their hearts are changed um, by these beautiful, beautiful witnesses. You know, one aspect that I was thinking of. There was a story that I was told. About this a Fatima visit, where the everybody in the in the house was was not very good. They were just they were just misbehaving. The kids were not really wanting to be there. Mom was making them be there, and uh, the, one of the daughters was dressed and very inappropriately. And when the Fatima custodian uh, removed the the cover from our the statue of Our Lady, revealing her, and immediately just silence came over the room because they saw the gaze of Our Lady and they saw the beauty of her face. And immediately they were moved to silence. And the custodian was telling me that immediately the the young girl who was not dressed in the most appropriate manner started like pulling on her shirt as if she could stretch it out to cover her her body and started pulling on her on her shorts to try to make it <laughs> make it stretch to cover her legs. Because when you see Our Lady of Fatima, when you see the holiness and the, and the modesty in Our Lady, the reservedness and the beauty in her, you can't help but have the spirit of silence and want to be modest, want to be humble, want to cover yourself. There's a sense that you're exposed. There's a sense of shame when you are presented with the queen of heaven and earth and you are not dressed in the wedding garment. It'd be like if you came in athletic shorts and a tank top or athletic shorts and a, and a t-shirt, a graphic tee to a formal wedding, you would feel out of place. You'd feel embarrassed to be there. You try to cover yourself. And there you see when our lady Fatima shows up immediately, Hearts are changed. Not a word is spoken. Uh, They don't chastise them like, oh, you need to change your clothes. Oh, you need. It's simply the presence of Our Lady changes the hearts of so many people. And it's an absolute and beautiful grace. Now, much more could be said about this. uh, But the last talk I'll bring up and then I'll transition over to talk about this nuclear bomb story. This last thing. And I think I'll invite Mr. Whitcraft on to talk about this. He says the role of confidence that we pray that plays in the future. So that like, look, we're going to be in a great chastisement. It's got to happen. Uh, things are getting bad. We may be drafted into war. Uh, World War three is right around the corner. Civil War seems like it's it's heating up. There is a terrorist coming across our border. But we have to have confidence in our lady. Our lady has promised us that she will be our mother. I think about our lady Guadalupe saying I want to Juan Diego Am I not here? Who am your mother? We think about our Lady of Fatima saying, in the end, my Immaculate Heart will triumph. And so we have to have confidence, which Mr. Whitcraft pointed out that confidence is like hope, but on a higher level. It's like a, he called it a super virtue of hope, which is confidence a confidence in our Lady's promise, confidence in our Lord's promise. And I think it was a very interesting idea. So I was very impressed with the whole with the whole event. It was very beautiful. Much more could be said. And I'll talk about more of it in the after show. So stick with us in the after show. And I'd love to share with you uh, more about my experience there. Uh, But with the last minute we have here, a story that I thought was very concerning was that (laughs) absolute craziness. The U.S. announces a new nuclear bomb. Arsenal, And that's not really crazy. I mean, we have had bombs for a long time. And this bomb isn't anything special, but it just made me think about the threat of nuclear warfare. Because they talked about the this bomb, which is not the highest uh, yield bomb we have. It's, in fact, kind of low in comparison to what we have. It was 360 kilotons. And I'm like, I have no idea what that means. So I went to the nuclear uh, nuke map, which kind of lets you see what that looks like. If that bomb was dropped on Houston, and if you don't know about the geography of Houston, um, I'll try to give you an idea of what that's like. If it was dropped in the center of Houston, it would wipe out all the way at Rice University, University of Houston, University of St. Thomas. All would be gone, wiped off the map right away, just gone. It would reach all the way past Bel Air into Pasadena, into Spring Creek, almost hitting um, <laughs> like just a few miles away from the... The airport—it's—it's insanity of how much damage would be reached. For Dallas, it would be reaching all the way to Fort Worth and Austin. It would reach Round Rock. These—it's very, very devastating to see this kind of damage of what a small nuclear warhead will do. So we definitely need to pray for peace because we definitely do not want war. We do not want nuclear weapons to go off these things would be bad for humanity. It'd be destruction of our, our way of life. So let's have confidence in Our Lady's promise and let's be hopeful for the coming of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. We'll be right back with Doug Barry right after this.
0: Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic Evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Can you really say you know what praying the Rosary is all about? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic Evangelism. Number one, listen to the who's who of the Rosary. We have the Blessed Trinity. We have the Angel Gabriel. We have the Virgin Mary. We have John the Baptist. And we have Elizabeth. So how's that for a cast of Sacred Ones? Secondly, reflection. While saying the Rosary, we reflect on 20 primary and sacred moments that occur in the lives of the Holy Family. And thirdly, the rosary dynamics. Here's how you involve this cast of holy ones in praying the rosary. You first invoke the three persons of the Blessed Trinity, then onto praying the Apostles' Creed. Then you will pray in Our Father. Then you will recite the angel Gabriel's words to Mary. Then you'll recite what Mary said to Elizabeth. And then you will relive John the Baptist being filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. Then you will ask for Mary's assistance in your life. And I'm so glad to say none of that is idolatry.
5: Of time for you to share your Catholic faith with one another. Wouldn't it be great if everyone eagerly shared their faith? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome back to Catholic
4: Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and here are more breaking news and headlines for you. I'm curious, dear listener, where do you stand on this? This headline goes, Americans believe government is too big and has too much power, according to a poll. Gallup released new survey data which shows that 54% of us surveyed Americans say that the government is trying to do too many things and should be left to individuals and businesses. That number has stayed relatively the same since 2021. The issue is split among partisan lines, with 81% of Republicans saying the federal government is too powerful. Meanwhile, the percentage of Democrats who say the government should do more has increased steadily since the 1990s. Democrats have grown increasingly likely to want the government to do more, rising from 61% at the start of the Clinton's presidency in 1993 to 75% today, Gallup said. This dynamic also explains why concern about excessive government has been lower under Biden than it was under Obama and Clinton because fewer Democrats hold that view today than in the past. Moving on, a federal judge temporarily blocks Biden administration from removing the Texas border wire. There's a lot of lawsuits in the news these days. A federal judge temporarily blocked border patrol from removing barbed wire placed on the border by Texas state authorities. The state sued the Biden administration last week over the government's practice of cutting wire. Texas Governor Greg Abbott instructed state authorities to place razor wire along the border in response to increased illegal crossings. In an 11-page order, U.S. District Court Judge Alina Moses, a George W. Bush appointee, temporarily blocked the Biden administration from disassembling, degrading, or tampering with the wire and set a hearing for November 7th to consider the issue in greater depth. Now, those are all your headlines this morning. And thank you for listening to Catholic Drive Time.
1: Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date uh, joining us right now is Doug Barry. Doug Barry is going to be on talking about this idea of situational awareness and being prepared. I'm thinking of the idea of, you know, prepare for the worst, but hope for the best. Uh, good morning to you, I'm Doug Barry. Good morning, Adrian. How you doing? Praise be to God. I'm alive. It's a blessing <laughs> to be here today. Amen. Now, yes. Doug, they're all over the United States, there's been all sorts of craziness going on. I just have have seen so many videos of people being ambushed, getting beat up. Um, I've seen videos Those a couple of weeks ago. There was that guy, that leftist, who he very tragically was stabbed in the chest because he was trying to confront some crazy person. And we have these kind of stories happening all the time. And the thing that saddens me the most about it, when I see these pictures, videos, things like that, the vast, vast majority of the time, a simple common sense situational awareness would have saved these people's lives. They would have never been in that situation to begin with. Or if they were, they would have been able to get out of it without having ever having gone into a confrontation. Uh, So I'm going to start there. Doug, what would you uh, tell people who... Are trying to live their life go about their life, and they live in places that might be a little dangerous major cities all across the world? Um, well talk to me about situational awareness
6: you know one of the first things when it comes to any kind of self defense or any kind of situation where you might have to as you as you mentioned get in some sort of a conflict, or at least they're they're, they're in, it's in the air you know is you know your best weapon is really your brain it's paying attention to your surroundings. You know, the idea of situational awareness simply means that you kind of keep your head on a swivel. You look left, you look right, you pay attention to everything around you. You know, many situations, as you mentioned, can be averted by, by that and by simply knowing what to do, very basics at the beginning. For example, you walk down the sidewalk, and if your head's down on your phone, um, your likelihood of being looked at as a target by a bad guy goes up tremendously. Distraction is definitely the opposite of situational awareness, and distraction is killing us in many ways because a lot of people have fallen into the, I've got to constantly be checking my phone, the FOMO, fear of missing out, so they're constantly on their phone. You see this all the time, walking through airports, walking down sidewalks. You know, a story years ago, sad story about a college-age student, a young woman, who was walking down a sidewalk, New York City, fell into an open manhole, And when the family tried to sue the city, the city explained that the manhole was surrounded by several orange cones because men were working on the manhole at the time. She didn't even see the orange cones.
2: Mm.
6: Another, Another story of a teenage girl steps out off of a curb during a red light, standing next to her younger brother, steps into oncoming traffic because she's paying attention to her phone. She doesn't recognize the traffic. For whatever reason, she thought it was time to start walking, and she did. Those are simple examples of allowing distraction. We, hear, we see it with distracted driving, uh, people on their phones, texting, in particular with the heads down. And anybody and everybody pretty much can see this as they're just driving down the road. And so these are examples of simply being distracted. So you put that into a context of you're walking through a parking lot and a bad guy might be, you know, casing someone. And for the ladies out there in particular, realize that FBI statistics have pointed out for years that on average in America, every two minutes, roughly, a woman is assaulted or attacked. The number one place that that normally happens is, for example, a, a grocery store parking lot, And it's oftentimes because a bad guy's waiting and pays attention to a woman going in and then pays attention and she's coming out, and if she looks distracted, um, she becomes more of a target. Now this is something that they themselves have said. Many who have been caught, you know, will admit, yeah, we look for people that are not paying attention to their situation. And that's, those are in normal everyday places sometimes. You know, you're talking about driving down a road or a grocery store, or you know, it, it could be a, an office parking lot, or even going into a restroom. That's another place where, unfortunately, sadly and tragically, women are oftentimes assaulted, is even in a restroom. And it, again, goes back to when you come in, look left, look right, pay attention. You see something that doesn't look right, doesn't smell right, doesn't pass the smell test, or, in particular, gut feeling. Many people that are attacked or assaulted or, or robbed or, or, or in any way hurt oftentimes will say, you know, I had a feeling before that this guy, this person, this situation wasn't right. But again, that's a situational awareness type of thing. God does give us oftentimes a bit of an instinct, and we've got to pay more attention to that and just simply not let ourselves get distracted. You know, the last thing I'll say before I pass back is the quote from one of the old Karate Kid movies is, the best block is to simply not be there. So it's avoiding situations that just, just your gut tells you or your senses tell you or your common sense tells you. This just isn't a good place to be. All of that is paying attention to your situation and being aware of it. And that's, your, that's one of your best self-defense uh, weapons right there.
1: Right, for sure. And one of the things that is really sad is that uh, people have been basically brainwashed into ignoring their common sense because they're told you don't want to stereotype. Oh, just because there's some shady people that are uh, wearing uh, hoods over their head at middle of the night, hanging around the gas station where the lights are dim, doesn't mean they're bad people. They could just be nice citizens that are hanging around. Um, you don't want to judge people. And that's kind of the mentality that's being taught by people, and it's causing them to ignore their common sense. They just say, "Hey, that seems a little sketchy. I may get gas at the next gas station instead." And that's very sad. Now we have about uh, three minutes before we go to a break, and I want to ask about the de-escalating situation because sometimes you know you're you might be in a city that is uh, has some people who have mental health issues. And they may confront you, they may come after you, or maybe someone gets angry with you, you're in a road rage situation. How do you de-escalate the situation?
6: You know, the first thing is keep your emotions in check. We have to understand that a lot of things that, you know, when when situations escalate, get out of hand, a lot of times it's an emotional issue more than anything. You can de-escalate by a smile. You can de-escalate by a confident attitude. It doesn't have to be a tough guy or a tough woman attitude. That normally will elevate problems. And if we have that attitude that I'm going to deescalate, but I'm prepared in case this doesn't go the way it should, I'm prepared. That shows that I have a confidence to myself, but I'm also going to talk through this calmly. I would say anybody married longer than a week knows that you, you can elevate a problem in a marriage just like you can in a street confrontation or a parking lot or something of that nature by simply getting tough, getting that attitude, getting that tone of voice, but if you practice calmly talking and not, not in a way that belittles or, or tears somebody down, you know, you're not doing it in a demeaning way, which is simply saying, hey, excuse me, sorry about that, slight smile, hey, hey have a good day, you know, and the gesture of your hands has a lot to do with it as well. You put your hands up in a posture that open palm that basically says, hey, everything's good, don't worry about it, if it's a face-to-face confrontation, if your hands are up protecting yourself, they're out in front of you, but your but your palms are open. That speaks through body language that I'm not looking for trouble. I'm looking to calm this down. But, again, tone of voice, a uh, bit of a smile, eye-to-eye contact, showing confidence. Those are great ways to simply say, I'm not here to cause trouble. Let's just take a deep breath. Let's slow down, even slow down the way we, we communicate here just a little bit so that we don't let emotion start to dictate the situation.
1: Yes, for sure. And uh, I know in one particular situation I saw on Twitter, people, I mean, these, we get so much, I guess, in, in a positive aspect, it gives us a lot of um, data so we can kind of see what's going on. Uh, somebody could have solved the problem simply by crossing the street. And I was thinking, why did they not just cross the street and get out of the situation? But nonetheless, I mean, the they always always told me, what's the best self-defense martial art you can learn? Sprinting! (laughs) And we'll be right back. More with Doug Barry when we get back with more Catholic Drive Time right after this.
3: This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. How many times have you heard it said that the church has been weak and ineffective? Well, G.K. Chesterton says the church has been so powerful and effective that it colored even the things it had not hoped to influence and changed its enemies as well as its friends. It affects everything it touches. It inspires a life-changing love from its friends and a self-destructive hatred from its enemies. Its enemies will do everything to destroy it, and they end up destroying everything, except the church. The Catholic Church says Chesterton has endured for 2,000 years, and the world within the Church has been more lucid, more level-headed, more reasonable in its hopes, more healthy in its instincts, more humorous and cheerful in the face of fate and death than all the world outside. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org.
5: Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to do some Bible reading. Wouldn't it be great if everyone read the Bible regularly? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from
1: Guadalupe Radio Network. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. It is always good to be here with you. Now, joining us right now is Doug Barry. He's, he's you can find out his website on brcoalition.com and it is a great website to get more information about being prepared. And I kind of want to transition over the conversation to talk about preparing for the worst and hoping for the best. A lot of people kind of call you conspiratorial. Or you're crazy if you're what people might label a prepper. They have a kind of that as a derogatory term. But at the same time, we kind of learned our lesson during COVID where, I mean, people simple uh, not having toilet paper. Everybody lost their mind. They're like, oh, my goodness, I have to get toilet paper. Uh, what am I going to do? And we realize that we our supply chains are very delicate. A simple weather disaster something like that can simply put you out for a week, two weeks, something simple like that, and we have to be prepared. Now, I think we should be prepared for greater disasters, for larger things, but even if you think that's, oh, that's impossible, Adrian, we're never going to have a... World War III situation or a grid down situation. None of those things are possible. That's not going to happen. Uh, but simply think about a weather crisis. Think about another kind of COVID crisis. Think about a your shipments get destroyed by getting an accident on the way. Uh, what are you going to do in those situations? Uh, Doug, tell me about being prepared. You know, you, <laughs> you you
6: hit that on the head. A lot of people think it's conspiratorial. A lot of people live in the normalcy bias mindset. Everything is normal. They're, they're they're biased towards that. They don't feel like they need to worry about anything. We've become so comfortable, and it's great. We've got great modern advancements and technologies and all great services that are out there that really help us. You know, bottom line is we always feel like we can call somebody they're going to come take care of things. And we feel like it's going to happen right away. This is something we've been conditioned to believe. Kids are conditioned growing up. Now, with a smartphone, that they can have everything at their fingertips immediately. We can call 911 if there's an emergency. Someone's going to come out and help us. It even goes to the point where if there's some sort of natural disaster on a large scale, hurricane, tornado, you name it, FEMA will show up or National Guard will show up. Someone will bring me what I need, and they'll take care of these things. Now, it's great that we have a lot of these emergency services and a lot of these areas can be covered, but it isn't realistic to think that it's going to happen so well all the time. You know, I was giving a talk in Florida at a men's group many years ago. I was talking about, in particular, awareness and self-defense and some of these issues to a group of men, and there was a man sitting in the corner. Older gentleman at the end, he commented. He said he wanted to talk. He looked a little a little uh, intense throughout the talk. And finally, he said, um, I'm a retired Long Island detective, and I can tell you that everything – Doug's talking about is correct and it makes sense. You have to be prepared. For example, he said, when you call the police in a crisis situation, he said 95% of the time when we show up, we're there for two reasons. One, we're there to take the report. Number two, we're there to clean up the mess. You have to be ready to handle things on your own. And that's in a crisis of some sort of assault or break-in or some sort of attack. But when it comes to what you just described – Some of those things we we know, we've seen over and over from natural disasters to the COVID uh, example, perfect example of what happened there. The baby food uh, formula shortage that happened about a year ago, just over a year ago, was another perfect example of a supply chain issue that sent many parents into a very desperate situation because some of them had children who had a particular type of formula need because of allergy, and they were online bartering, doing what they could to try to get the word out who had what, And these things we just can't imagine, and I say that a bit facetiously, this could happen in our modern times, but it can. Anybody and everybody should have easily several days of extra food, extra water. They should have basic things covered. I mean, on our website, BRCoalition.com, and it's interesting that, you know, we're having this conversation today at 1 o'clock this afternoon, in fact, we have a free webinar And they can go to BRCoalition.com if they'd like to sign up, take a look at it. And the webinar goes through packing basically an emergency bag to keep with you in your vehicle at all times that allows you two, three days worth of some general basic items that will help you with medical situations, food, water filter, things of this nature. But it is absolutely essential, you know, Adrian, and you, you pointed it out, these things can happen. And they do happen. And it may be even war. I just, I'll just, say this quickly as well. October 7th in Israel, what we saw, how quickly these 20 kibbutzes and the, the dance, um, dance festival that was going on, how quickly something as horrific as an attack from terrorists took place. And you know for a fact that the overwhelming majority of those people were not prepared for even something so violent as that. But we have seen in America, even as you mentioned, these breakdowns of supply lines, supply chains and such happen for months when it comes to people trying to you know remodel their house or build a house, even construction equipment materials, the price of these things has been off the off the charts and very hard to get because we are a vulnerable society because of the way we we function and we 're set up great advancements. But we're still, we're still in that frail area. It's best to have the basics in place. Uh, BRCoalition.com. And what i have what been encouraging as I travel and speak on this even still is spiritual and natural preparedness in five areas, water, food, shelter, medical, and defense. And these are things that every single one of us want every day of our lives. And it's really unwise to ignore that.
1: Now I want to focus in on one aspect of what you just said there because this is often overlooked by a lot of of preppers even I have uh, have a lot of friends that are very much they they buy ammo, they buy guns and a particular friend of mine mentioned he was like yeah, you know I you know I have a gun, I carry, I have my ammo, I have everything there, I have my food, I have my water, but you know many people forget medical he says, if I carry a gun, I always make sure I carry a tourniquet kit because if I'm willing to take a life, then I must be willing to save a life. And I thought that was a very interesting outlook that I hadn't really heard other people bring up before. So tell me about the medical aspect of this.
6: You know, that that's one of those things that I, I bring this up in my talks as well, and we talk about it in a lot of our presentations, is bullets go both ways. We just use that example. So people are thinking they're going to deal with uh, – some sort of contact, conflict, and you know I'm ready to fire and I've got this and that. But when it comes to being able to plug a hole, simply put, as the saying goes, plug a hole, deal with a laceration, in fact. Could it be a car accident? You're driving down the road and see somebody on the side of the road, the cars turned over, whatever it might be. A friend of mine had this happen. He hopped out of the cars on a country road, and he was able to apply some medical care as best he could until medical uh, emergency services showed up. Having with you a kit, and these are very easy to get. There, there are many different areas online. I don't go anywhere without a tourniquet and a basic package of uh, what's called quick clot, which is uh, designed to. It's like a gauze that has a chemical on it. You stuff it in a wound, in a big open wound, a laceration, a deep cut. You know, a knife it could be medical, or it could be um, metal from a car accident, or something. It could be chopping wood and, and cut yourself badly and need to get to the doctor. Putting a tourniquet on. Stuffing the wound with something like quick clot and then putting a high-pressure bandage or an Israeli bandage type on can save a life. And you don't have to be a trained medical professional, and that's good to know what to do on that. And there are videos out there. Red Cross in many communities offer basic EMT-type courses for the average person, just like teaching CPR or the Heimlich Maneuver. You can teach how to put a tourniquet on, how to apply it the right way and how to do something as simple as wrap a wound the correct way so you can save someone's life. I recommend everybody get the basics on that and that you have with you, at the very least, a tourniquet and, again, as I mentioned, quick clot and uh, something like a high-pressure bandage. These trauma kit-type things can be bought at... At a a hunting store, obviously, if you're hunting and you have an accident, you definitely want to be able to plug a hole. If you're out in the field somewhere and you get shot or someone else gets shot accidentally, you need to have those items on hand. So I highly recommend that. We teach that in our course as well at, you know, again, BRCoalition.com. We'll be talking about some of that even in the webinar today at 1 o'clock central is how to have these items, those very items we're discussing, in your emergency bag. Because there's a lot at stake, and people need to think about this too, Adrian, is it's not just about you or me. It's about those that God has entrusted to our care,
7: mm-hmm.
6: you know, wife, children, grandchildren, and so forth, and anybody else you might bump into in public that you can be a good Samaritan to. I'm sure if the good Samaritan in the gospel had a had an emergency bag with him with a tourniquet, he would have used that on, on the guy that had been beat up. So uh, these are very important things to think about, definitely um, the items that can save a life, and they're not that complicated. It just takes a little bit of effort on our part to take the right steps to figure out how to get them and how to use them. And that's not complicated in today's world.
1: No, not at all. And uh, well, there's so many resources as well online that people could take advantage of. And, you know, some people may say, uh, Doug, that we we should be trusting in divine providence, and we should not be concerned about these things. We should be have hope in in Christ that he's going to take care of us and so you're, it's all these ideas, all these crazy things where we're just being conspiratorial, dude. it's unnecessary to do this. Uh, how would you respond to that?
6: I would say first and foremost, to, to make the point, if we're going to trust God in the areas of some sort of disaster or emergency situation happens, and we don't need to be prepared because God will take care of that, number one, let's trust him in the other areas then on a day-to-day basis with no disaster, And don't worry about paying your mortgage. Don't worry about going out of the house to go to the grocery store to get the food, to come home and then cook it. You know, again, to make the point, why don't we just trust that angels will take care of our food, take care of our mortgage, take care of our electric bill, and so forth. But no, God has us in this world live in this natural state. We have to cooperate with the way God has created the system in the sense of we need food, we need water, we need to take care of our responsibilities and bills, and we have to work for that. Another thing to consider is if your child is hurt, then just pray over your child and expect the broken leg or the serious cut or the concussion to be fixed, but that is not something any good parent or grandparent does. You make sure your child is taken care of through the ordinary means that God has structured the world to basically operate through, and that is take them to a doctor, get them checked out. I I would also add to that one more thing, and that is, when we see that, again, this is not just about me, if I'm going through life, I'm ready to go, I'm just going to trust God, I'm ready to die if something happens, remember that it isn't just about you. It's about other people. It's about others that, again, God has put in the backseat of your cars you're driving down the road, those listening right now on the road. If you've got a child you're taking into the, to school right now, you've got to think, or you're going to work right now, you've got to think to yourself, I'm going to work probably because there are people who are counting on me to make sure I'm doing what I can do to provide a good living, a roof over their head, water, food, and so forth. We can trust God in a crisis, an emergency, but we also have to trust that God put a brain between our ears and calls us to be part of these things. And also, if we call someone for help, we're trusting that someone's going to come who has taken the time to prepare, taken the time to learn, taken the time to train, Taking the time to purchase or, or acquire the items that are necessary for that emergency to be dealt with. So ultimately, we say we're trusting God, but we're trusting that God will send people who've taken the natural steps to get better prepared, which is something we could do at least in in, in, help in the interim until someone does come to help us, if in fact they do. And there are many situations we could, we could get into, we could talk for mm-hmm. much longer about the reality that there are examples out there that show...
1: People don't always come for help. We are unfortunately out of time. Check out Doug Barry's YouTube channel. He has tons of content just like this. But God bless you. God love you. And we'll see you in just one moment.
2: I would always hear from uh, different people at non-Catholic churches that Catholics were going to hell or that they really didn't know who the Lord was. The Catholic Church is not all what people say it is. I mean, it's completely different. There's so many stereotypes It's very possible to know the Lord, and it's very possible to have a relationship with God in the Catholic Church. I believe I was born into the Catholic Church, and that's where I belong.
0: If you've been away from the Catholic Church, visit catholicscomehome.org.
2: Have you heard about life coaching? Hi, this is Coach Felicity with your Stand Tall Today Coaching Minute. Coaching is one of the things Jesus did with His disciples. Whenever they were stuck, overwhelmed, or even struggling a bit, Jesus asked questions that brought clarity and hope. He then used ongoing conversations that helps them to navigate the path and completely change their lives. Just like the disciples, we too can find ourselves feeling stuck, overwhelmed, and struggling a bit. Maybe you need help in your marriage or with a parenting issue, you're navigating a loss, you want to improve your health, or advance your career. At StandTallToday.com, our experienced coaches will help you to take another look at life, renew your hope, Get past those challenges and step into living abundantly. You can find out more about coaching and schedule a free introductory call by visiting us at com. Listen, life is too short to stay stuck. Contact us at com.
5: Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to study a section of the Catechism. Wouldn't it be great if everyone read the Catechism of the Catholic Church? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion
0: from Guadalupe Radio Network. When I was outside of the church, there was always an unsettled feeling. There was always a feeling of something missing and something not complete. The, the deal clincher is we found our way to our, our parish, and we met just an incredible pastor. We learned things that we'd never been taught. wouldn't be the person that I am without the church and without the sacraments, particularly the Eucharist. I can't live without it. If you've been away from the Catholic Church, visit catholicscomehome.org.
1: Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Praise be to God. It's so good to be here with you today. Uh, We wrapped up a great conversation with Doug Barry. I was very intrigued by what he had to say. And, you know, there's a saying. It's kind of a cliche, but it's true, though. The police are minutes away when seconds count. So you always got to rely on what you got on your person. So I think it's always ready to... uh, be prepared so you don't have to get prepared. Stay prepared so you don't have to get prepared. Be ready so you don't have to get ready. I think that's a great saying. It's something to always keep in mind. You know, I, you know, I first heard this <laughs> saying, not in this context, but in sports. Like for combat sports especially, there's a lot of guys who will be in like um, boxing and things like that. And they will say um, they will have off seasons basically. And so they have to have like a six-month training camp to get up to the day of the fight. Whereas the, the greatest boxers, like Canelo Alvarez, for instance, he's like, I'm ready to fight at any time. Like I'm always training year-round, 24-7, all year-round, 365, no days off. I'm always in shape. I'm never out partying. I'm never out doing these things. I keep my body in the utmost shape. So that way if there's an amazing fight that's, that gets presented to me, I'm ready to fight in a month. I'm ready to to analyze him, uh, start training for him specifically. And I don't have to get in shape because I'm already in shape. But now I just got to prepare for this particular battle. And I'm like, that's a great attitude. Whereas a lot of the guys are like, oh, I need a six-month training camp so I can get to the weight I need to be at and get to that level. And I'm like, the difference between the best and the mediocre is just it's very, very uh, interesting to look at. Totally agree. You know, I personally stay in shape by just picking up my toddlers.
4: And I just like – I don't have weights. I just pick them up, lift them a couple times, do a couple reps, and I'm completely set, man. I'm always ready to fight.
1: Well, for me, I um, am round and that is a shape. So that would be uh, – I stay in shape. That's true. Always. The blows
4: will just deflect.
8: <laughs> like a suit of armor <laughs>
1: that's like the rounded armor. <laughs> yeah. So <like> this <laughs> Just shrugs off. Exactly, exactly. So <laughs> praise be to God. Um, and not related to being round. <laughs> that's amazing transition right there. Uh, joining us right now is Adam Bly. Good morning to you, Adam.
7: Good morning, Adrian. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. Praise be to God. I'm glad to be here with you now, Adam. The the all last uh, last week last Saturday, y'all talked about Halloween. And before we transition over, I'm just very curious. Did was there any Questions that came through to y'all that were particularly interesting or worthy of note on on regards to the topic of Halloween?
7: Well, actually, that show was a recorded show, so we weren't able to take calls. But we did get, you know, we did get some emails and some messages. And, you know, the main thing is the kind of question, do we just kind of back away from Halloween and not do anything and not let the kids enjoy, you know, just kind of this, the regular American holiday aspect of it that kids are mostly into, or um, do we allow them to do that? And my kind of point with it, if you look at the history of it, for about 1,500 years, and we don't have time to unpack it all now, but for about 1,500 years, it was a very Catholic Christian activity, meaning it was a time that kids went around On holy days, by the way, all of them, Easter, Christmas, um, uh, Hallowtide, kids would go around and they would beg for food or treats because, not because it was Halloween, but because it was a holy day and you were expected to be more charitable on holy days. And that was the mindset behind this activity for like 1,500 years. And where I'm kind of falling with it myself is, yes, there are bad people in the world, that want to, you know, associate this with black magic and do bad things. But does that mean that we then back away from that and give that ground over when it's actually been a Catholic holiday for 1,500 years? Like, do we kind of cower and say, well, oh, this, you know, the spooky people are saying that this is their day and they're doing bad things, so we can't enjoy just the regular American kind of, you know, social aspect of this because bad people are doing things. And I kind of think if you go down that road of just kind of giving ground any time the darkness wants to claim something, you end up being backed into a corner. So, you know, in a sense, it's it's part of the bigger spiritual warfare, I think, to not be afraid and not allow the darkness to steal, you know, all of your activities, Mm. which is kind of the way I see it.
1: Oh, it's very true. I think that's a very counter-revolutionary standpoint. You know, the revolution starts taking ground, and the answer can't be to just let them have it. We have to be counter-revolutionaries and take it back. A restoration of order, a restoration of Christian civilization is always, I think, the correct answer. So I completely agree. And one aspect, I had a friend of mine who is a priest uh, put out in his bulletin, he's saying, hey, All Saints Day is a very high holy day used to be a holy day of obligation and so the eve before mm-hmm. all holy days used to be days of penance so think about as optional not binding on anything you're willing to do it on your own or not do it here's an idea treat the entire day as a day or prayer and penance and then in the evening when the sun rises like a vigil like the vigil masses for at christmas and things like that at the vigil when the sun goes down start celebrating All Saints Day, and then you can have the candy, you can have all the things, and so you have a period of recognizing the fast, but still having the, the feast and being able to have that. What do you think about that idea?
7: Yeah, I mean, that that's a fine way to approach it. You could do that just as a pious activity that you choose to do, like you said, not binding on anybody. Another way, Adrian, just you know, off the top of my head, is during the day we could pray for the people that are associating this with badness and that are kind of being lured into the darkness, we could pray for them and they're, you know, waking up to the fact that these uh, fallen creatures are not their friends and hopefully that they receive some grace to, to come out of that. So it would be a way to kind of spend a little time praying for them, maybe asking the saints to pray for them, maybe asking, you know, that each person be kind of connected with a patron saint that would help them out of that darkness and kind of, you know, ask the the communion of saints for that. Because it's a special time to be in contact with the communion of saints, in a sense, you know, by we're focusing on them and why not do what we're supposed to do, which is ask them to pray for us.
1: Mm, Amen. And that kind of transitions us over to talking over about what's coming up on The Spirit World this Saturday, uh, which is a topic of November, the month of November dedicated to the Holy Souls. Uh, tell me about this.
7: Yeah, so it's I'm excited about it. Like so many of our episodes, it's a great opportunity to, to revisit and think through these things and read up on them and reflect. Um, but we're going to explore kind of all the aspects of what it means to be a saint, uh, how the church views saints, you know, obviously we don't pray to them or treat them like little gods. We don't We don't think that they can do anything on their own. We ask them to pray for us because we're confident they're before God in heaven. Um, but just the exploration of all of that from the very beginning, because in the very, very early church, you know, there was already hints of praying for the dead that is actually in Scripture, Um But the idea of saints and the discovery of the power of saints in terms of, you know, people going to their tombs and praying and asking for their intercession, which, by the way, was a Jewish activity before Christianity, where particularly holy rabbis, people would go to their tombs and pray. And you know, there's a vestige of this in most cultures around the world, where you would visit graves and pray, just like we kind of do even in the secular world. So there's, and then building upon that and upon that, and then the church seeing the different miracles, even after a holy person had passed on. And then the idea, the main thrust of it, Adrian, that I want to focus on is patron saints,
6: Mm.
7: how we personally can seek a relationship or be open to heaven establishing a relationship with a particular saint, That's going to help us through whatever phase of life that we're in, and that's where I want to focus is on the practical, useful thing that we can do with the saints for our spiritual journey, because ultimately God is providing that connection so that we make it to heaven. And so that's that's kind of where I'm hoping the show will land this week.
1: Now, what about the distinction between All Saints Day and All Souls Day? I know, especially among uh, my my family has a Mexican background, and I've always wondered about uh, Dia de los Muertos, and it's always kind of put me off. I'd always had a bad just feeling about it, but I don't know enough about the history of it. Maybe people are just abusing it today, and it used to be good, but I don't know enough about it. Uh, Tell me about the distinction between All Saints Day, All Souls Day, and if you know anything about Dia de los Muertos, I'd be very curious.
7: Well, of course, so All Saints is about the souls that have made it to heaven and that are in the beatific vision. All Souls Day is about the souls in purgatory. So then we're we're praying for our loved ones that are kind of on that escalator to heaven. They're they're moving slowly. They know they're going to get there. It's inevitable, but they're not to the top floor yet. So we're going to hopefully speed up that escalator ride through our penances, through our prayers, help them along, maybe comfort them a little bit because, you know, they're being purified in the sense that they weren't where God wanted them to be when they died. So God had a goal, a hope, that they would be in a particular place, emotionally, spiritually, intellectually, when they died. And we all fall short a little bit. And so purgatory is that final development to get to where God envisioned us to be, what he wanted for us when he you know, put us here. So what we can do is we can help speed up that process for our loved ones that have passed. And so that's what All Souls Day is about, is, you know, focusing on them. Uh, the saints are dead, the souls are dead, and of course, you know, people are wondering, we can't pray for the souls in hell because they have chosen to reject God to the end, and they've made a permanent choice. So sadly, there's nothing to be done for them, but we can hope that just, you know, we can hope that many, many are in purgatory and that there's lots to be done for them. And, of course, no prayer is wasted. So if we're praying for somebody, God forbid, that is damned, that prayer will go to help somebody else. Nothing is wasted.
1: Mm. And do you happen to know anything about Dia de los Muertos? I don't really. So
7: okay. I'm open I'm open to researching it. I know it's a big celebration uh, Day of the Dead in Mexico. I know the the makeup, the kind of parades, but I don't know if it's kind of a syncretism with ancestor worship blended with Catholicism. That's my guess, but mm-hmm. I, I need to research it.
1: Yeah, for sure. That, I mean, that's kind of my intuition as well. People have asked me in the past, and I've always been like, I don't really know. It kind of seems syncretistic to me. It always seemed that way. Yeah. It, it almost seemed like ancestor worship, and the Catholic aspect of it was always kind of, just kind of decoration almost and so it's always made me very uncomfortable in my family we've never kind of celebrated Dia de los Muertos and so it's always been very interesting and um, I'd be very curious if anybody uh, knows more about it I'd be very interested in learning about it uh, but we're just about out of time Adam uh, how can people keep in touch with what y'all are doing?
7: Well you know we're, we've been doing a weekly show now for boy more than a year uh, called The Spirit World it's here on the guadalupe radio network it's also carried on ewtn wider around the world which is such a blessing um let's see i think it's 10 your time to 11 on saturday morning uh for my time in the east it's 11 to 12 and yeah we try to educate a little bit and then take calls and have a discussion about the theme of that week
1: Very good. Praise be to God. So if you're available, tune in on Saturday, 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern, and um, be sure to be ready to call in and ask questions, because uh, these are some of the best people to get your questions answered. Uh, But God bless you, Adam. God love you, and have a blessed All Saints Day and All Saints Day Eve.
7: You too, and God bless your listeners.
1: Amen. Amen. And that's going to do it. Speaking of celebrations, I have some fanfare coming up because we're going to be going into our Fear and Trembling game show, which is where we are going to be giving away prizes. And let me just tell you, this week you have a higher chance of winning because there's no game show tomorrow because we will be having a pre-recorded show For the Feast of All Saints, we're going to be taking the day off, going to Holy Mass and praying for you. Uh, So that means the odds of you winning are even greater. So make sure you call in 877-757-9424. That number, 877-757-9424. And remember, you could be a winner. All you have to do is pick up that phone, and I'm going to give you that number. And that number is 877-9424. 757-9424. Let me give it to you one last time. 877 757. 9424. We always take the first caller, so make sure you call in and you could be winning. You could win this amazing prize. What's the prize? I'll tell you on the other side of the break, but you could be the caller. Call now.
0: Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Your church most likely has a praise and worship time. Would you be surprised to know that the songs you sing might have nothing to do with worship? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, history. Praise and worship was not a term used until the mid-60s when the Jesus people music started becoming more complex and contemporary. By the late 70s, praise and worship had become an entire entity of its own. Secondly, what is worship? It's a sacrifice. It's not singing a soft, flowy song with hands raised. The New Testament writers understood that worship was a sacrifice, that it occurred on an altar, which was and is known as a place of slaughter. Thirdly, the altar is for you. Jesus, in the holy sacrifices of the Mass, invites you to participate in His timeless sacrifice of love that truly occurs on the altar. No nightclub effects, no entertainment, no pumped-up emotion. Oh, and please don't register for the next Praise and Worship Global Seminar. Why? Because you can't teach praise and it won't include worship. Yikes!
3: So many of us carry such heavy burdens. Come on,
5: babe. It'll be fun.
2: It's just you and me.
3: Deep within, we struggle because sin separates us from God. But thanks to the grace of confession, God compassionately listens, forgives, and sets us free. So if it's been a while since you've been to confession or Mass, come home and experience a fresh start. Visit catholicscomehome.org.
1: Seven five seven nine four two four. 757 9424 That's the number to call to be part of our game show, Fear and Trembling. We're going to give away prizes, and guess what? You could be the winner. Uh, that number one last time, 877-757-9424. 7, 7, 7, 7, 4, 4. What are we doing? What are we playing? This is the Fear and Trembling game show. I have three Catholic trivia questions in front of me. The trick is I'm not going to ask you the questions. No, I'm going to ask Rudy the questions, he's going to give me an answer, and it's your job to tell me whether or not he is right or whether or not he is wrong. And every right answer will go into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what can they win? Praise be to God. We're giving away a
4: rosary of charity and two pocket prayer books. This is all thanks to our sponsor this week, Oremo Studio. Oremo Studio helps to increase devotion in the family and love for our Catholic faith through the aid of traditional Catholic devotional products for the home. Now, I love this. Liturgical living, it's a whole thing. You know, it's, it's, it's something that we have to take back, kind of like Halloween. Now, they design all of their products. They create prototypes. They oversee manufacturing for the ones that they don't fabricate themselves, like the prayer books. Their products are designed with fine materials to withstand daily use as well as being beautiful and to inspire devotion, not to mention they may even become heirlooms, so they're heirloom quality. Currently, they offer handmade rosaries, rosary kits, English and Latin pocket prayer books, and homemade 100% beeswax candles for the three days of darkness. They will soon offer Spanish and Latin pocket prayer books, as well as DIY altar statue niche kits, which the family can build together or the kids can make them on their own, their website is oremos.studio. So if you're thinking, "Oh, is it .com? Is it .net?" No, it's oremos.studio. Welcome to 2023. There's no .coms anymore. You can actually <laughs> pick websites like that. oremos.studio is the website. Thank you so much, Oremos Studio.
1: You know, do you is it required that whenever you go to it, you say Oremus dot
4: studio? No, that's only on you know pontifical high mass days. Oh, okay. All the other days, you say Oremus, and then you turn uh, around, you turn to the altar.
1: I see, I understand. You know, it's cool. The one of the creators of these um, beautiful home altar kits, he actually is a professional architect. Wow. Yeah.
4: Yeah, I yeah. thought about making a, a a kit to give away. I thought at one point that I would open up a a, a store and do my own thing, but it's a lot of work. And altar
1: kits are hot.
4: Those yeah. are those things are really it's
1: cool. Beautiful. I'm looking at it right now and I'm like, "Oh my goodness, I kind of I kind of want to buy one. I wonder if I can just like trick him into just giving me one." <laughs> 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 Cuz they're they're really beautiful and they're prayer books. I'm like, whew, high quality. I like it a lot." So I'm pretty excited. Whoever gets to uh, win this prize is going to be very happy with it. Thank you to Oremus.studio for generously sponsoring our game show. Uh, Joining us right now is David. Good morning to you, David. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. Praise be to God. I'm doing even better now that I'm hearing your voice. Now, do me a favor, David. Can you turn your radio down for me?
5: It is down.
1: Awesome. 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 Thank you very much. Now David, uh where are you uh where are you calling in from?
5: I'm calling in from San Antonio. Got my three kids in the car. We're just headed to school.
1: Praise be to God. San Antonio. San Antonio. Oh my goodness. What a, what a grace. Three kids in the car too. Um so you have a team. It's a it's a team effort game today, I'm hearing. So praise be to God. And what's the age range there?
5: Uh well, I've got in the car with me. I've got my son, he's 11. He's, he wanted me to call in uh, daughter nine, daughter six, and then I've got two more at home.
1: Wow. Praise be to God. We love to hear it. Big a small nice. Catholic family we have there. Uh, we love to hear it. We love to hear it. Now, that's a pretty amazing thing that your uh, your son over there wants to uh, be on the show. So praise be to God. I think he would love this prize if he is drawn out as the winner. Uh, but David, I am sure you all have heard the show before. Are you ready to play the game? We are ready. Awesome. Awesome. Then let's jump into it. I know that you have uh, three theologians in the car, so I'm sure you all get three for three today, but we'll find out. Rudy, question for you. Which angel appeared to Zachariah or Zachary to announce the birth of John the Baptist? Hmm. I wonder
4: what angel it could be. Could it be the one that always sends the messages? Could it be the mm. messenger? Mm. Could it be St. Gabriel?
1: St. Gabriel. The
4: archangel. The archangel. Disputed whether or not he was an actual archangel. He might have been higher rank. Mm. But he presented himself as Gabriel.
1: You know, my little brother's name is Gabriel.
4: Really? Yeah. He was I there? Yeah, How old he, is he?
1: he? He is the ain't. No, just he's kidding. like an Old Testament guy. Yeah, big time. Big time Old Testament guy. Now, my. Uh, I, you know, it's funny. I was side note. I'm just going on a tangent for some reason. My I, people are like, when I mentioned my little siblings, they're like, Oh, how old are they? I'm he's, like 23. Oh, <laughs> oh, not he's not that little. I'm like, Oh, yeah, yeah. He's little, little on my mind, little brother. Anyway, anyway, uh, David and family, 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board is which angel appeared to Zechariah to announce the birth of John the Baptist? Rudy says it was the messenger himself. Gabriel, what say you, David, and son and daughter and other son? What do you think? Gabriel. You,
9: yeah, we're
1: going to go with Rudy on that one. You're going to go with Rudy. That's hmm. dangerous, but sure? we'll find out. Uh, let's see. Survey says that is, in fact, correct. Way to go, you guys. You guys are rocking it. it clearly a very wonderful and a beautiful minds we got in the car there. Uh, theologians ready to uh, to take on the heretics I'm hearing already. So praise be to God. Now, David, are you all ready for question number two?
3: Ready for two, yeah.
1: All right, here it comes. Question number two, Rudy. This could be a tricky question. We'll find out. What is the name given to the liturgical headdress that's worn by popes, cardinals, abbots, and bishops? All right, so
4: everybody's seen these before. I mean, especially if you look, kind of like from a profile view, they almost look like fish heads, right? Oh. So the name of that of, the, of that hat is actually a fish head
1: hat. Oh. Now
4: it's Latin, so I can't remember what it is exactly, but it's
1: fish head translated into English. Wow, interesting. Mm-hmm. Very interesting idea you got there. All right. Well, it's certainly an interesting guess there that you got there, but we're going to find out whether or not you're right because our resident theologians and David are going to give us an answer. So 15 seconds on the clock, David. The question is, what is the name given to the liturgical headdress that's worn by popes, cardinals, abbots, and bishops? Well, Rudy says it's the fish head hat. That's the technical name. I mean, it has a Latin name, but in English, we call it The fish head hat. Uh, What say you, David, and our theologians? 15 seconds on the clock. I
5: don't think it's a fish head hat. What do you think?
1: Um, Um, Not a fish head hat. (laughs) You're saying Rudy's (laughs) wrong. That's bold of you to Hmm. to accuse Rudy of being wrong. But survey says that is correct. Way to go. It is actually 100% correct. He is wrong. It's Um, a mitre. It is a miter, and you know I might have been lying to you guys.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry about about it.
1: The um, miter actually is not Latin either. No, it's actually Greek. Hmm. The word miter is Greek, and it means a piece of armor. It's usually a metal guard, Uh, um, and it's uh, later took on the meaning of the uh, the headdress of the bishops and the equivalent of bishops so you know the eastern orthodox they have a similar thing it's more like a crown but it's technically a mitre as well but it looks like a, what we would perceive for it to be a crown uh but way to go i didn't even explain that to y'all i'm sure you're a theologian the car was like dad it's obviously greek and rudy talking about latin that's ridiculous uh, so way to go guys you guys rock are you ready for question number three
3: we are, we are ready.
1: Let's do it. Question number three, Rudy. Here's a question. Do we pray to the crucifix or the images of Christ and the saints? Hmm. Despite our, our iconoclast critic,
4: critics, we don't. We actually pray to the people that they remind us of. So when we have a crucifix in our house, we're not praying to the crucifix itself as if it was, in a way, an avatar of Jesus there. Mm. It's actually just reminding us of our Lord who's in heaven.
1: That would make sense. That would make sense. I mean, this whole time, I've been just like praying to a statue, and I was like, man, why Imagine was, being why a, a pagan. <laughs> you know, like, no. But, but you're telling me that's not what we're doing. No. Okay, well... Is that what you've been doing? <laughs> apparently. At least How did you get what, this job? That's what the Protestants were telling me I was doing anyway. Uh, <laughs> David, what say the theologians? 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board is, do we pray to the crucifix or the images of Christ and the saints? I need help here. Rudy says, no, we're praying to the people which they remind us of. Uh, what say you, David? What did our theologians say?
5: Uh, my son and my daughter say we're going with Rudy.
1: You're going with Rudy. This is what they're saying. All right, let's see. Survey says... That is correct. Way to go. Three for three. Gotta love San Antonio, dude. They're geniuses San Antonio, over there. Saint Anthony is definitely interceding for that.
4: Well-catechized they know their stuff.
1: I'm pretty impressed. I'm pretty impressed. You guys knew it. You couldn't be fooled. And yeah, no one could trick you guys. But uh, how do y'all feel?
5: We feel good. He had his book of saints out ready to go. But they're really happy.
1: Awesome. Awesome. We love to hear it. Now, you guys have a blessed day at school and uh, we'll be praying for you. Please pray for me. I'd be very grateful for such holy people to be praying for me. But we're going to put you on hold so we can get your contact information so we can send you that prize should your name be drawn out. But God bless you and God love you.
5: Thank you. Thank you.
1: thank you. I'm going to put you on hold. And that's going to do it for our radio side. If you want to join us in the after show, we'd love to have you. I want to tell you more about my trip to Pennsylvania. I had an awesome time. I had some pretty crazy stories I would like to share with you in the after show. And whatever it is you want to talk about, we'll talk about it. Just leave a comment down below. Facebook, Rumble, YouTube, Odyssey, any of those platforms interact with us directly. But if not, we'll see you back here at 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, across the Guadalupe Radio Network and Catholic Spirit Radio. We'll see you very soon.
3: Thank you for joining
2: us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired.
9: The Guadalupe Radio Network
1: now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas.
9: Today is Tuesday in the 30th week of Ordinary Time. We celebrate this Holy Sacrifice of the Mass for all those joining us on Guadalupe Radio online and those here present.
8: All the world is God's own field, fruit unto his praise to yield. we and tares together her sown unto joy or sorrow grown. First the blade and then the ear, then the full corn shall appear. Grant, O harvest, Lord, that we wholesome,
9: grain, and pure may be. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Lord be with you. My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault.
8: Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy.
9: Let us pray. Almighty, ever-living God, increase our faith, hope, and charity, and make us love what you command, so that we may merit what you promise. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen.
10: A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. Brothers and sisters, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are as nothing compared with the glory to be revealed for us. For creation awaits with eager expectation the revelation of the children of God. For creation was made subject to fertility not of its own accord, but because of the one who subjected it in hope that creation itself would be set free from slavery to corruption and share in the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that all creation is groaning in labor pains even until now. And not only that, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit— We also groan within ourselves as we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that sees for itself is not hope. For who hopes for what one sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait with endurance. The word of the Lord. The Lord, has done marvels for us. the Lord has done marvels for us. When the Lord brought back the captives of Zion, we were like men dreaming. Then our mouth was filled with laughter, and our tongue with rejoicing. The Lord has done marvels for us. Then they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad indeed. The Lord has done marvels for us. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the torrents in the southern desert. Those that sow in tears shall reap rejoicing. The Lord has done marvels for us. Although they go forth weeping, carrying the seed to be sown, they shall come back rejoicing, carrying their sheaves. The Lord has done marvels for us.
8: Hallelujah! Blessed are you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You have revealed to little ones the mysteries of the kingdom. Alleluia! Alleluia! Alleluia!
9: The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord. Jesus said, What is the kingdom of God like? To what can I compare it? It is like a mustard seed that a man took and planted in the garden. When it was fully grown, it became a large bush, and the birds of the sky dwelt in its branches. And he said, To what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of wheat flour until the whole batch of dough was leavened. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In that splendid reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans, he speaks about the eager expectation that creation, even creation has, awaits our redemption. Because God, we know from the, from the book of Revelation and from the words of Jesus, that he's going to create a new heavens and a new earth. That somehow creation is involved in this in salvation and redemption, what that will look like in the end, well, we can only imagine we don 't know because we know that we will receive these our bodies back as glorified bodies, and somehow God include will include creation in this this, his, this final act of glory so whatever, whatever that 's going to look like, but as St Paul says it says, we are we are groaning inside uh waiting for this to happen or this to bring become to its completion of course it will come to completion individually in our own life and then God, at the very end of time will then uh bring subject everything jesus will subject everything to the father so that he we could be all god will be all in all and i think that's where the gospel kind of reminds us that we have received that glory we have received eternal life in its seminal form first of course at our baptism that is renewed each time we receive the Holy Communion because we receive the Lord. But it's not yet perfected. That's our journey. I think that's why St. Paul says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are as nothing compared to the glory that is to be revealed for us because we labor now. We labor to uh, to be ever, ever more purified and perfected. And the, the, the Gospel reminds us, too, that, that that whole process sometimes is a bit slow and tedious slow and tedious it is like a mustard seed the smallest of seeds that is planted but finally as it grows jesus kind of skips over the entire growth period which is sometimes sometimes a little this way sometimes sometimes a lot sometimes a little but then what happens is once it's fully grown what is it is that the birds of the sky dwell in its branches i wonder if that would be, what kind of birds would dwell in those branches well, maybe they're cardinals. Be like the cardinal virtues. Those are the one. Those are the birds that will nest, because then the virtues have been ever more ever more perfected in our life, in our faculties. But that whole process is indeed a process, little by little. So maybe there's two extremes that we want to avoid. The one is that we become impatient. We become spiritually impatient. We want to be holy. Right now. Well, no, we want to be holy yesterday. And I don't understand why it's not happening. And so we become impatient. And then sometimes we, we, we might be tempted to give up. There's a kind of spiritual gluttony that happens with that that we want to avoid. You know, something we just we try to fill ourselves with all kinds of things because we want to be holy right now. Right now. And Jesus is saying, okay, no, we're just going to work on this one thing. <laughs> this one thing right now. We'll, we'll move on to these other things. Let's just focus on one. So the spiritual gluttony, we want to avoid that. But then we also want to avoid the other side, which is spiritual sloth, or doing nothing, or in fact just waiting for everything to happen. We have to do our part. We labor, but the sufferings that we undergo in that labor is nothing to be compared to the glory that we will be revealed for us. So we, we must do our work, our mission. So we don't want to fall between those two extremes, but right in the middle that God has us right where we are, right now, and he wants to do amazing and beautiful things in us and through us. And that we simply have to be docile to him and respond to his grace by doing what he asks us to do. That requires us to be attentive to the voice of the Lord. Because that little seed that is planted, or that little good that we do, that small virtue that we try to grow in each day, will start off as something very small, but like the mustard seed or like the, the, the grain of, of leaven that is put into the dough, it will rise. And so will we at the last day. It will rise. We will become gradually, we will come to that perfection. And God, of course, through his grace and the Holy Spirit working through us, will accomplish that for which he has called us. May God, who has begun the good work in us, bring it to completion. Maybe he bring it into completion in his time. We need to be patient with the Lord, but also to respond generously to his grace when he calls us. For we, brothers and sisters, are saved in hope. For for who hopes for for what one sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait with endurance. To God, the Father Almighty, dear brothers and sisters, may every prayer of our heart be directed, for his will is that all humanity should be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Let us pray for the Holy Church of God, that the Lord may graciously watch over her and care for her. Let us pray to the Lord. For the peoples of all the world, that the Lord may graciously preserve harmony and peace among them especially in the Middle East and in the Ukraine. Let us pray to the Lord. For all who are oppressed by any kind of need, that the Lord may graciously grant them relief. Let us pray to the Lord. For ourselves and our own community, that the Lord may graciously receive us as a sacrifice acceptable to himself. Let us pray to the Lord. We pray in this day that all would all would be safe. We turn, especially in this All Hallows Eve, to the witness of the saints, uh, who show us how to live in the glory of God. And also, though, that all those would turn away from every form of evil, to, to be glorified, the glorious sons and daughters of God. Let us pray to the Lord. Our O oh God, our refuge and our strength, hear the prayers of your church. For you yourself are the source of all devotion. And grant, we pray, that what we ask in faith we may truly obtain through Christ our Lord. Amen. Fruit of the vine and work of human hands will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God. Pray, dearly beloved, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God the Almighty Father. Look, we pray O Lord on the offerings we make to your majesty that whatever is done by us in your service may be directed above all to your glory through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you.
8: And lift, your lift up your hearts. Lift up up. Let us give thanks to the Lord, our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, holy Father, almighty and eternal God. For in goodness you created man, and when he was justly condemned, in mercy you redeemed him through Christ our Lord. Through him the angels praise your majesty, Dominions adore, and powers tremble before you. Heaven and the virtues of heaven and the blessed seraphim worship together with exaltation. May our voices, we pray, join with theirs in humble praise as we acclaim Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabao, plenis sunt et terra, gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. The mystery of faith, save us, Savior of the world, for by your cross and resurrection
9: you have set us free. Therefore, Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth with your servant Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, Peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us offer each other the sign of peace.
8: Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccata mundi. Misere nobis, Agnus Dei, qui mundi, dona nobis pacem.
9: Behold the Lamb of God. Behold Him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb lord i am not worthy you should enter under my roof but only say the word and my soul shall be
10: For those unable to receive communion, and those joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio, let us pray together the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen.
8: Jesus Christ, remember when Thou shalt come again Upon the clouds of heaven with all Thy shining train When every eye shall see Thee in deity revealed Who now upon this altar In silent art concealed. Remember then, O Savior, I supplicate of Thee That here I bowed before Thee Upon my bended knee that here I owned thy presence and did not thee deny, and glorified thy greatness though hid from human
9: eye. Let us pray. May your sacraments, O Lord, we pray, perfect in us what lies within them, that what we now celebrate in signs we may one day possess in truth through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life. Thanks be to God. Hail Mary. Full
8: of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the...
2: St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil.
0: Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee, through the intercession and help of the archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one, from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions.
3: We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy, we implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy,
0: rage, and death,
3: we implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord.
0: From every thought of suicide and abortion, we implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality, we implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division
4: in our family, and every harmful friendship, we implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord.
0: From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult,
4: we implore Thee, deliver
3: us, O Lord.
0: Thou who said, peace i leave with you my peace i give unto you grant that through the intercession of the virgin mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always in the name of christ our lord amen
1: celebrating the culture of life this is the guadalupe
7: radio network radio for your soul